I can do what it says I can. I am a believer and not a doer. Not doubter. I am a doer and not just a hearer. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I'm mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You may be seated. Amen, amen. Pastor, we thank you for the opportunity to, to stand in your, uh, in your seat today. I give honor to my wife and all of you. Uh, and I just want to start off with our induction. We'll get straight to the point. By show of hands, if you're not scared, how many of you have ever witnessed someone lose control of their emotions in a negative manner? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Pretty much everybody. How many of that person that you saw was you? Amen, amen, and that's okay. Today I want to talk from the topic, regulate your emotions. Regulate your emotions. To regulate means to control. Everyone has emotions. Did y'all know that? They are a gift from God. Emotions are given to us to make our life better and fuller and richer. However, somebody say however, we need to understand that if we do not control our emotions, they will control us. <laughs> Y'all better hear me. If you don't control them, they will control you, meaning they will control what you do. Being driven by our emotions, Sister Latham can leave us with a sort of natural or spiritual paralysis. Y'all better hear me. Paralysis means you're paralyzed, which can effectively render you useless and ineffective. Wow. Emotion can do all that? I'm going to show you in the scripture. Today we're going to look at a number of stories in the Bible that covers a number of different emotions. I'm going to provide a lot of information that I pray will be useful to you. But please don't lose sight of the big idea. And that idea that is that you and I must on purpose, somebody say on purpose, on purpose regulate our emotions. In this year of great, great glory, y'all do know the thing, right? It's the year of great glory. If we're going to make God say, wow, wow, Kent, wow, Kim Ronda, wow, Beth, wow, Zontel, wow, Cliff, if we're going to say it, make him say, wow, we're going to have to learn to control our emotions. Not only in this year, Sister Shirley, but in this year, and the next year, and the next year, and the next. See, this ain't no one-shot pony. God wants us to understand, because he's going to show us in the scriptures how harmful, uncontrolled emotions can be. Ah, oh, okay. So the first emotion we're going to talk about is jealousy. 
I'm going to tell you, and I got to tell you, this jealousy thing will sneak up on you. You don't, you don't even know it's there, say, the next day you know it don't. But that's okay, because God has given you that emotion, but the problem is, when you see it get out of control, you got to snatch it back, glory. Get back in your proper place. Jealousy not regulated, mother, damages and destroys relationships. All manner of relationships. Jealousy uncontrolled, Cliff, destroys departments. Y'all better hear me. <laughs> Jealousy uncontrolled destroys organizations. Jealousy uncontrolled destroys feelings. They destroy fraternities and sororities. Jealousy uncontrolled destroys churches. Jealousy uncontrolled destroys kingdoms. I'm going to show you this right here. It destroys kingdoms. In chapter, in 1 Samuel, chapter 8, which is our first turn, verse 18, 1 Samuel, chapter 18, verses 16 through 19, we are going to see the results of unregulated. Unregulated uncontrolled jealousy. But before we do that, don't read those verses, can I just share a story? It's the story of what happened before these verses. See, anytime you read the scriptures, you don't just start in the middle. You got to know what happened before the, the text that you're about to get into. In the story uh, before these verses, it is a very familiar story to most. But listen, I've learned in preaching until you can't assume that everybody knows the story. See, see I'm, I'm praying that there's somebody online or in this place that may not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I don't want them to assume, or I assume that they don't know, that, that they know the story. So for those of you that know the story, don't go to sleep on. Listen, it is the story of David and Goliath, right? Y'all know, like I said, in chapter 17 of this chapter, the Israelite army and the Philistine army was at a standstill. They, they were on two sides and they, nobody was doing nothing but talking. The Philistine army had a giant of a man named, y'all know stuff, y'all know, help me out, Goliath, right? He was on their side. And, it, you know, again, he was estimated to be about nine feet nine tall. He was massive of a man, right? Yeah. And every day, somebody said every day, for 40 days and 40, he would come out there and he would sell wolf tickets to the army of God. Y'all better hear me. He would come out there and he would say, hey, listen, let me offer this challenge to anybody who would take me on. Let's do a one-on-one, -on -one. right? 
Listen, we ain't got to get a whole lot of folk killed, Pastor. You just, I'm, I'm Goliath, I represent my team, and you send out your champion. And every time he said it, there was silence in the air. Saul, the king of Israel, was sat there, and he didn't say a mumbling word. Oh, yeah, y'all yeah, 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 hear me. So even, in the, even though we're talking about jealousy, and I told you I'm going to unpack a lot of stuff, here I see, I see some fear. Listen, see, first of all, he was talking to Saul, and Saul knew it. Why? Because Saul was the leader. Pastor, Saul was the leader. He was the king. Second, Saul stood taller than all the other Israelites. Did y'all know that? Of all the Israelites, the Bible says Saul was the tallest one. And the last thing that, 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 that is astonishing and ironic to me, Mother, is Saul was Israel's champion. <laughs> they sent in their champion, you would expect your champion. Saul was a leader. Can I holler at the leaders for a minute? Listen, if you are a leader, y'all better hear me. If you are a leader in any organization, the people have a right for the leader at least to take the lead. <laughs> Listen, you can't call yourself a leader and you sitting back. Oh, y'all better hear me. So Saul's indecision provided a young rascal with an opportunity. <laughs> see, see, sometimes when you don't do what you're supposed to do, somebody will take your place. As Pastor said, and we know in the Bible, there's always a ram <laughs> in the bush. So David comes up there. He don't even know they, what's going on. He just come up there to feed his big brothers. And he hears this giant selling wolf tickets, talking about his God. Oh, y'all better hear me. How many of you consider God your God? So he says, I'll fight him. We can get in there. I'll fight him. Finally, they tried to talk him out of him. He said, I'll fight him. So then he takes the battle to this giant. But he do it in an untraditional way. He, 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 don't, he don't take the, the bow and arrow and all that stuff. He just grabs some rocks and take them and he slings it and boom, the giant is dead. I wish I could talk about tradition. Just for a minute. See, 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 because some of us are stuck. Some of you, some of us are stuck in tradition. <laughs> and God doesn't have a problem with tradition. But I'm telling you, he ain't opposed to us taking out some giants in an untraditional fashion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you got to switch it up, Zontel. Sometimes you got to do some things that may not have ever been done to take giants out of your life. 
And so now we, we come to the point in our tick, just a month. We pick it up in 1 Samuel 18, 6 to 9. Now it had happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines, remember I told you he killed the giant, that the women had come out of the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Verse 8, then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him, and he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now, what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul, teacher, I, David, different from that day forward. Here we see a team returning home after accomplishing a great victory. The emotion and joy and happiness is in the air. They are celebrating the victory. Listen, and I'm going to say this again and again and again, because the Lord has put it in my heart. He wants us to know when he gives us a great victory. We need to celebrate. <laughs> when he gives you a great victory, you need to celebrate. Perhaps some of us are not experiencing other victories because we have failed to celebrate the ones he's already given. <laughs> see, 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 sometimes we can take God for He's not obligated to give you great victory. And when he gives you great victory, you should celebrate. <laughs> you should celebrate. They were celebrating with song and dance. So suggesting, my Bible says the women were leading the praise and the worship. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They said, Pastor, back in the day, it was the custom of the women to lead the praise and the worship. <laughs> But it appears to me in every church that I go to that is still the custom of the day. 
<laughs> For some reason, when I look out in the audience, I see the women praising and worshiping. When I look in the audience, I see the men controlling their emotions. <laughs> I don't have a problem with you controlling your emotions. But the question has to be asked, is controlling your emotion in the midst of a praise and worship celebration the time to control it? I'm talking to myself. That's why you see me on the front row. I try to get with it, even though I ain't got a lick of rhythm. Because, listen, when God show me something, I feel obligated to do what it is he showed me to do. They sang. And they danced. They sang, Saul has slain thousands. They gave Saul, the king, some credit for the victory. Listen, did you know that any time an organization gets a victory, that is proper to give the leader of that organization some credit? It's proper. Listen, every time striving for perfection pull out a victory, in, in Jesus' name, Pastor Bowler should get some Because it's proper. Even in the sports arena, Cliff, when, when, when teams win a victory, they bring out the owner. When the last time you seen the owner coach anything? But because he's part of the team and he's the leader, obviously he allowed the pieces to get in place. Oh, y'all better hear me. It is proper to give the leader some credit. And I imagine when they gave him that credit, they saw what happened. They saying my name. They giving me my what is due. But then they had another verse to the song. <laughs> Saul didn't realize that the song was not over. <laughs> there was a, another rendition to the song, and they said, "And David has slain." Tens of thousands. Tens of thousands. Now, some would say the women didn't have to do, they didn't, they didn't have to say that. They didn't have to go there. They, 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 they didn't, they, it's their fault. And I, I tell you, Jantel, I beg to differ. Because when I read it, they didn't do it. And, and they didn't, it wasn't a but. It wasn't a comparison. They were just giving credit to who credit was due. Saul, you, you, you killed some people, and David killed some people. We are thankful because the battle had won. But the Bible says, after they said that, 
Saul's emotions changed. He lost control of his emotions. He went from a, a, an emotion of joy to a, 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 an emotion of jealousy. See, it's a sad thing. When I can't say, Major, you did a good job. Because I'm scared Cliff over here going to get me. It's a, it's a terrible thing when I can't give Major his due because Cliff over here saying, he ain't give me nothing. The Bible says, after that happened, he eyed him differently. In other words, he looked at him cockeyed. Y'all know how we do. <laughs> but they meant he treated him different. That kingdom was never the same after that incident. Now, I just gave you a biblical story, but I want to give you two contemporary ones. I was going to give you two, but I'm going to give you one for a second. I'm going to give you the one that was involved in this. Right here in my old blue. Can I be transparent? Yes. I already told Pastor I was going to tell you. <laughs> i never forget one day. I had this, what I felt was the greatest idea since sliced bread. Y'all know what sliced bread. Let me explain that to y'all young folk. Back in the day, before my time too, I guess the bread used to go, when you go to the store, it wouldn't slice. You buy it, it would be in a loaf, and then you had to go home and slice it. And so once, once they sliced it, everybody's, whoa, you know, kind of like, you know, going from radio to TV. So anyway, I thought my idea was the best thing since sliced bread. I presented my idea and didn't get no traction. <laughs> my idea didn't get not one move. But I said, okay, no problem. I didn't have a problem to somebody else launch the same idea. When that person launched the idea, <laughs> oh, it, it was like it was the best thing. And immediately, I saw myself move from Holy Ghost feel sanctified and filled with it. I went all the way back before Jesus died. Just that minute, yeah, the assistant pastor, the minister of operations, jealousy had jumped in. I said to myself, ain't this a... <laughs> I ain't say it. But I thought it. But then I took control of that thing. I snatched it back, Major, because I know the Bible says, hey, don't let it control you. I snatched it back. And I said, Latham, 
this ain't about you. <laughs> it's about the people. Now that that idea has been acquisitioned and employed, the people are being blessed. And God is being Listen, the reason I share that story, because I know if it could happen to me. Perhaps it can happen to you. And I want you to know that sometimes, it is, and I, I want to make sure that you snatch it back. Jealousy can destroy great ministries and great nations. The emotion of jealousy can come quickly and to anyone. The next emotion I want to share with you is that of fear. Fear is the natural feeling or alarm caused by the expectation of imminent danger, pain, or disaster. You know, I did a little research here. It says that that failure to regulate or control fear can contribute to negative effects, even on your body. Wow. You know, they, they don't attribute upset stomach, pale skin, high blood pressure, arthritis. They've traced some of that back to some fear that people are having in their lives. The physical effects of fear are, are serious, but they're, the spiritual are more serious than that. Fear can lead to instability, unhappiness, and a lack of contentment. In 1 Kings 19, 1 through 4, we're going to see the results of unregulated fear. I want to set the backdrop. It is important to note prior to our text that Elijah, the prophet who's the, prim the primary character of the story we're about to read, had been used by God mightily to display his power and direction. Let me give you his resume. Elijah at God's direction had stopped the rain and dew from falling to the earth. That's powerful. Listen, for God to use a man to hold back the rain from heaven, that means you, that, that's something. That means that you are in connection, or that man was in connection with God. Elijah had prevented a woman and her son from starving to death. He came on the scene. They were about to die, Jesus. The woman said, hey, I'm just about to die. And Elijah stepped in at God's anointing 
and say, hey, I'm going to provide you flour and oil that will never run out. Elijah was used so mightily by God, Sister Jesse, that he raised somebody from the dead. Y'all got to understand that. That's some Jesus type stuff. God used him that mightily to do these things. Let us pick up the verse. And his most powerful mission was, and his last mission before this text, was God used him, Sister Latham, to perform his greatest miracle. Elijah fought, went to battle with 850 people, 50 prophets. Normally, I wouldn't take those kind of odds. 850 to 1, I would bet on the 850. But the difference is, this man was being backed by God. And so how many of you know that he took care of business? He wiped them all out. He, God, God used him in might. He, he eradicated all those prophets. God used him mightily to conquer. But then look what happened. Verse, 1 King 19, verse 1 through 4. And we're looking here again at the emotion of fear. And it says, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also, how he had ex executed all the prophets with the sword. Verse 2, then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah, saying, so let the gods do to me, and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he, Eliza, saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself, verse 4, went a day's journey into the witness and came and sat down under a broom tree, or some Bible say juniper tree. And he prayed that he might die. He prayed that he might die. This awesome and powerful man of God prayed that he might die. Is it enough now, Lord, take my life? For I am no better than my father. So let's break down this story. I just gave you his resume, Mason. The man had been used mightily by God. And so what happens is Ahab, the king, goes to home and tells the queen the result of what happened. Hey, sweetheart, I just came from Mount Carmel. That boy Elijah is going to wipe everybody out. And guess what happened? This vicious woman, this Vicious woman said, hey, I'm going to take care of him. Sent message to him, hey, listen, by this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. You would think that this powerful man of God 
would stand up to a godless woman and say, hey, I hear you. Bring it on. But he didn't. The boy got out of dog. The boy picked up and ran scared. He ran so hard that the Bible said he ran an estimated, not all at one time, but he covered ground about 125 miles. Now, they didn't have no cars back then. That boy just walking. He gets to Judah, right? And then he said, hey, because he took a servant with him. He said, hey, you stay here. And then he went another day's journey. The Bible, the, Bible, the Bible says, or some of the commentators say, Sister Lathan, that he left his servant because he didn't want nobody to know where he was. He didn't, he didn't want the servant to be found so that she, he could, if the servant was found, he couldn't tell him, Jezebel, he down there. He, didn't, no, he was scared. The boy was so scared that he became an accident. What they call him? Somebody help me out there. He was on the ice. He by, I, thank you, Pastor. He was by himself. Wow. <laughs> I'm going there, too. The boy went there and asked God to kill him. Listen, you cannot allow fear to control you to the point where you take hell and run. Listen, Keisha, we all experience spiritual weakness. Listen, we all do. We all do, Sister Linda. We all go to times when we're not at our best. But that's when you focus in on the Lord. Or you should be focused on all the time. But anyway, how can we learn from this situation? So we see him, he's at this tree, and he's asking God to die. He goes to sleep, and an angel appears to him wakes him up and says, rise and eat. Let's him go back to sleep. Wakes him up a little later. Said, rise and eat. He ate. He got his strength. And he continued on the mission. Now, I'm about to say something that you need to understand. Because I was trying to, Rodney, I was trying to find out what did that mean. Lord, why did this powerful, why is this powerful man who started here under a tree? And then I looked like I found it in the text itself. Verses 5 through 8. It appears to me, and you help me out, that the boy was physically exhausted. Listen, you need to understand that when you're fighting in the battle of the Lord, you got to take care of your body. He was physically exhausted, Vontel, to the point he was tired. Another piece that tells me he went to Mount Horab, which was where 
Moses had, you know, the bush and all those things, which indicates to me that he had to get back in the presence of the Lord. <sighs> See, you and I and all of us, we got to understand, we not only got to take care of our body, but we got to take care of our spirits. Listen, it's, listen, you got to spend time in the presence of the Lord. I'm not talking about working. I'm talking about time. Listen, ain't work. Y'all been hear me. I'm not trying to discount working because work needs to be done. But that is not an excuse for you to spend, not spend talking to him and listening to him and reading his word and his and. My last term. Our feature, our, our text. We read it, but I'll read it again. Now I just talked about it. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Remember I read when Jesus said, I take no thought and all that for your life, right? As I was reading this, I realized, well, I, I normally wouldn't drink water, but I forgot. And I realized, Sister Marva, that that's, those passages was the cure for worry. Right there. Jesus had already provided the cure for worry way back then. But my question is, if the cure is there, because my, my research said of all the emotions that are out there, the number one emotion is work. Wait a minute. All of these folk are worried, and there's a cure? There's an antidote? So my question then, I had to ask myself, Jesse, is do they not know? that is available. Or if they know, Brother Melvin, do they not believe? Because Jesus says, here is the antidote. He said, take no worry for your What? Now he ain't talking. He ain't talking. He ain't talking about. He ain't talking about. You know, being concerned. We all should be concerned. But he's talking about. Don't let worry dominate your life. Yeah. There are some folk that all they think about is what's happening in the world today. They get up every morning, clicking on the on the TV, trying to figure out what the COVID doing, what this, what that, what that. And Jesus said, "Hey, listen." Don't worry about that. In fact, he says, don't worry three times. He talks about, don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about your body. Don't worry about the clothes you wear. He says, because he knows you need those things. He said, those are the things that the heathen think about. Yeah, but now, he's not telling you not to go get the clothes and stuff you need. He's saying, but you can't be consumed about stuff. 
to the point where it gets you to, to have hustles and all kinds of stuff. He said, here is the key. Seek ye first the kingdom of righteousness. <laughs> wow. Seek ye first the kingdom of righteousness. Monica, let me talk. Seek ye first the kingdom of righteousness. And everything you need, everything you need will be given to you. And then he looked and he said, look, I want you to look at creation itself. Look at the birds. When is the last time you heard about a bird starving or having a thought? They don't go out and plant no seeds. They don't have no barns. But yet I feed them every day. Glory, hallelujah. Y'all better hear me. Are you more valuable than them? Don't, don't, don't worry about what you wear. Have you seen the flowers that I created? <laughs> Listen, when you leave here today, I want you to just drive down and just, just enjoy the landscape and see the beauty that the Lord has created. He said the flowers are even Solomon, the richest man in the world. He don't look as good as the flowers I created when they put on their stuff. Hear me well. Please hear me well. I know I said a lot of stuff. But emotionally, out of hand, can, can, can take you off track. It can cause some things in your life that you don't need in your life. God got you. Y'all better hear me. Listen, that's why. <laughs> Listen. Sometimes I get accused. They say, man, you just don't care about nothing. My wife said all the time, no, baby, I just ain't worrying about nothing. Why? Because God is in control. Listen, what is my worry going to do? I can't add a day to my life. What was worrying going to do about it? I'm trusting him for it all. Listen. Even in the midst of COVID, I'm trusting the Lord. I do what the people say do, but I ain't trusting the people. I'm trusting. I have three appeals. Let's give the Lord a hand clap and pray. My first appeal is if you're here and you don't have a church home. Uh, we would love for you to be a member of Striving for Perfection. We, we have a loving family. We would love to, to, to just be uh, a family member with you if this is your desire. Uh, you can raise your hand. Someone will come to your seat and uh, we'll take your information and you can become a member. Is there anybody here that would like to be a member? The second one is, is there anybody here that's uh, online or uh, that, 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 that desires salvation? If you're here, you can raise your hand. If you're online, you call us at that number that's being shown on the screen. My last appeal is this. 
I want to do something a little different today. I want to pray for all of y'all, to include myself. Because I believe after today, well, it's my desire that this message has resonated with all of us. And from this moment forward, clear, we're going to see some emotions being controlled. I'm believing this in my heart, that we're going to see some emotions being controlled. So let us pray. Most gracious and honorable God, the creator, the maker, and the sustainer of life. God, I come lifting up everyone that's in this building and everyone that's joining us by some form of media, God. God, I pray right now, God, that you would just touch us and cultivate our hearts and our minds, oh, Father God, and to realize, oh, Father God, that you want us to control our emotions, that if we control our emotions, God, you would be happy with the way we're living this life. God, I pray right now, Father God, for those who, who are experiencing things in their lives that may be giving them worry, God. I pray right now, God, that you would send your provision, just like you said in Matthew 6 and 25, when you said you feed the, 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 the birds of the air. God, all you was talking about is you are the provider. They come to you, you'll let them, you'll, you'll show them how to get the things that they need. God, I lift them up to you today, God. God, I declare and decree right now in the name of your son, Jesus, that we here that striving for perfection are about to lead the charge when it comes to relationships. God, we're going to make you say, wow, not as individuals, but as a unit, God. God, I pray right now, God, as we prepare, oh, Father God, to end this worship service. whatever manner they need to be Encourage those that need to be encouraged. Strengthen those that need to be strengthened. Comfort those that need to be comforted. It's in your son Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.